Coming up this week, we'll talk about visiting Walt Disney World without constantly being surrounded by kids. Welcome to this week's episode of To the Mouse and Back. So this week's episode is going to be a little bit different. I've had this topic in mind for a while, and I really wanted to dedicate some time to talk about it. So I'm somebody who I love going to Disney and taking my kids. It's so much fun going with kids, but I also love going to Disney without my kids. Disney has so much to offer just adults. And frankly, when you're going on vacation as just adults, you know, you don't always want to be surrounded by kids. Maybe it's because you don't have kids or don't care for kids, or maybe you love kids, but when you're on vacation, you'd prefer to avoid them as much as possible. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. So I asked my friend Danny from Average Dis Nerd to come on. So he is an Orlando local, so he's got a really unique insight into this. Um, Danny also has a podcast and a blog, and there's a link to that in the show notes, so definitely check it out. You can also go back to episode three of this show. Um, He and I did a crossover episode between our two shows in August, and that was a lot of fun. So um, before I get into our discussion, I also wanted to mention one thing about the show. So from here on out, I'm going to start doing an episode about every two weeks instead of every week. Um, I'm loving doing this show. But each episode that I do is two interviews, the pre-trip and the post-trip. So I have to average recording two interviews a week, editing two interviews a week, and then editing together the full episode, doing one of those every week. And even doing things like listing out the show notes requires a lot of time because I try to put, you know, a lot of detail into those. So it's a very time consuming process. So I'm going to be taking next week off because I'll actually be in Disney myself with my family. And after that, you'll start seeing episodes about every two weeks. So I may throw in a bonus episode every now and then if I get a lot of interesting trips submitted. Um, Speaking of which, head over to tothemouseandback.com to see details on how to submit any upcoming trips you may have, Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruise Line, International Disney Locations, any of those. Let me know about your trip so I can consider it for potentially featuring it on a future episode. Uh, Just a reminder, follow me on Twitter if you want to see pictures and videos from my Disney trip. That's Mouse and Back Pod. Anyway, that is it. So let's jump into my chat with Danny. So you did get to do something vaguely Disney-ish last night. You got to go to the Elton John concert. Um, well, about that. <laughs> did you not go? Um, so I bought tickets to see Elton John in January uh-huh. and I honestly forgot about the show for the longest time. I just went to North Carolina for a few weeks to be with family and I forgot that the show was last night. So Caitlin texted me and goes, wait, did you forget about Elton John? When does, when is your flight back? And we thought for a split second that it was not, I wasn't going to be back in town in time. Thankfully I was and everyone, we had a quick scare, but then we're good. And we're like, all right, our whole group of friends is going, let's get ready. We're going to go out to dinner. The night went odd because when we first got downtown to get dinner, we must have stopped at a half a dozen restaurants and everyone turned us away because they're like, it's an hour long wait or we're not taking tables anymore because all of these old white people want to go see Elton John. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we finally find a place to eat. We grab a drink. We go to the venue. We go through security. It's freezing. We get up to the top, you know, seats where our nosebleeds were, and we sit down, and we're all excited. We're so ready. And the show was supposed to start at 8, 
And around 825, someone comes over the like PA system and says, you know, good evening, everybody. Uh, we are very sorry. And then everyone starts like getting antsy to say that Elton John has an ear infection and he will not be able to perform tonight. No. Yeah, it was insane because what we were all surprised about is like we understand if we got an email in the middle of the day that said hey show's canceled no right. the, the the whole venue was ready people were buying snacks and beers and whatever and we were all ready to go and then finally they say we're calling it right now we're not gonna be able to do it hold on to your tickets it, it, it'll be rescheduled your tickets will be honored um so we don't know when we're seeing him but it wasn't last night <laughs> <laughs> that sucks yeah, it was super disappointing, too. It's just like the anticipation the whole time. We we saw the stage, and it looked awesome. Like, you could see that his piano was probably going to, like, be moving back and forth and stuff. And we were so hyped. And then we just went uh, to a bar because we just had to drink away something. <laughs> <laughs> that is awful. Yeah, it was really disappointing. But the the silver lining here is we looked at his tour lineup, mm-hmm. and we said, okay, well... Where is there a gap that he feasibly could do it? And there's no gap. Really, the only gaps are like one days, and that's obviously built in so he could take a break and not get an ear infection in the future. Right. So the only time that we saw was the final leg of his tour is in, I think, Sunshine, Florida, which, by the way, Sunshine, Florida, really? Yeah. (laughs) A little on the nose there. But um, so that's not terribly far from Orlando, and we're thinking he might just end the tour in Orlando or Tampa, because he canceled both shows. He's supposed to be in Tampa tonight, but he canceled that too. So maybe he'll end the U.S. leg of the tour in Orlando, which would be kind of cool. Yeah. But that's not till March. <laughs> okay, so you got a while. Yeah. Oh. It's a bummer. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull a Danny and like in the middle of our conversation, be like, "All right, so welcome <laughs> to to the mouse and back, Danny." Um, so, listeners, you guys, I'm sure remember Danny from his infamous episode three on "To the Mouse and Back." So, I mean, everybody has heard that episode. It's pretty famous. <laughs> uh, I'm famous in the disc community. I hope that'd be great. <laughs> are you uh, they- famous or are you infamous? Oh, that's true. I mean, it, I guess it depends on what. Uh, what side of the aisle you stand on in terms of some key things like, I don't know, uh, Disney naming nomenclature. <laughs> oh, yeah. It is Avatar Flight of Passage, by the way, just so we're clear. Yeah. On my show last week, my girlfriend and I were lamenting the very, very, very long names <laughs> that Disney's creating lately. <laughs> and I, I misspoke. Um, but yeah, that that is kind of funny. Although, follow up on that, I, I did some quick, you know, Google image searching. So the whole debate is about like, well... Rachel pointed out to me on Twitter that it said uh, Avatar Flight of Passage. I thought it just said Flight of Passage. What's weird about Avatar Flight of Passage, though, is that there's not really a sign for any of their attractions. Um, mm. It's There's just like a fast pass. It says standby entrance, fast pass entrance. But there's no like big marquee that says Avatar Flight of Passage or Navi River Journey. It just is there. And a, a buddy of mine works operations at Animal Kingdom. And I remember we were talking about it. He uh, took me to the preview of uh, Pandora before it had opened up. And he was like, I, as an operations you know, guy, he goes, I don't know how that's going to work. Simply because when you look at Imagineering, Imagineering goes, oh, let's be immer- as immersive as possible. Why should there be a marquee? This isn't a ride. This, of course, is just a river. And you will just calmly walk up to the river uh, and wait two hours. Um, so he he brought up the point of like, who, what tourist 
might see this. Like, he's like, there's going to have to be a sign. There's no way that a sign, at least on a stick that a cast member holds, doesn't show up in some capacity simply because, you know, people people can be a little uh, misinformed, let's say. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, we'll see when we get to ride Hollywood Studios, colon, Disney's, colon, Star Wars, <laughs> colon, Millennium Falcon, colon. Directed by J.J. Like seven Abrams. other things. Yes. <laughs> it's going to be a super fun ride. Yeah. Um, so I asked you to come back on my show because I have uh, I have a couple of coworkers who, you know, they found out that I'm a crazy Disney person and which, of course, I mean, they just found me. out now. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, they've known for a while, <laughs> but like they can't deny it anymore now that I have a podcast and um, they and my boss is a crazy Disney person. And like, you know, there's lots of crazy Disney people around here. And a couple of them were like. I really kind of feel like I should check out this old Disney thing. I've never been there. But here's the thing. I don't really like kids. And um, I don't really want to, like, be, like, constantly surrounded by them. And I just feel like everywhere you go in Disney World, you're going to be, like, completely surrounded by kids. And obviously, you can't go to Disney World and not see kids. Like, there are going to be kids there, and there's going to be a lot of them. But... Disney World has so much to offer adults, and there are ways that you can minimize your interactions with kids. So I wanted to kind of devote some time to, if you are somebody who either hates kids, which, you know, that's your deal. I don't mind. Some kids are awful. Um, <laughs> or you don't have kids and you just, like, don't enjoy, you know, dealing with the the smaller of our species. Or maybe you have kids, but when you're on vacation, you don't want to be around them because Maybe you finally have an adults-only vacation, so you don't want to be surrounded by them. I wanted to talk about the ways that you can enjoy Disney without being too terribly surrounded by kids. And Danny, you do not have kids, and you spend lots of time in the park. So I wanted to get your perspective on how to do that on your Disney trip. Yeah. I, I mean, I so I'm an Orlando local. I go pretty frequently. In fact, I think I'm going later this afternoon. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's, that's just my life. Instead of going to an, you know, a nature park, I go to a theme park uh, routinely. But like the first thing, honestly, I feel like it's a bit of a support group for all of us uh, Disney fans that do not have children. Let me just start off by saying, number one, it is okay to not like children. <laughs> or Absolutely. better yet, I should say it's okay to go to Disney without wanting to be surrounded by children. I'm part of a uh, Disney annual pass holder group on Facebook. And every now and then I'll jump in there just to see like some of the questions that people bring up. Because sometimes it's stuff like that your podcast addresses, such as what's a good time to book reservations or uh, what restaurant works best. But every now and then the group devolves into like arguments. And I saw an argument one time about like this sweet couple. They're like, hey, we've got kids like eight and ten or whatever. Um, but grandma's going to be with us and we want to leave grandma with the kids one night and me and my husband just want to go out and do some adult stuff. And I was so surprised to see the amount of people coming in and attacking this woman. Just like, oh my God, why would you go to Disney without your children? It's so magical uh, to be there with your kids. You should go with your kids. And she replied with, guys, I'm going to be there for a week with my kids. My husband and I are allowed one night <laughs> away from our children. Like, yes. it's okay. We love our kids. But also, we're adults and we want some time alone. So, um, so yeah, it's okay. Go to Disney without your kids. Disney would love to take your money. And <laughs> there are plenty of ways and things you can go do around there. Yeah, absolutely. So I started to kind of think through this. And one of the first things I thought of is just general time of year. Like if you're somebody who's not a local, so you're scheduling a trip there. 
I wanted to think through what are some good times of year to go? So obviously the first thing that comes to mind is even if you don't have kids, you have a pretty good idea of when these school breaks are. If there is a school break, Disney is going to be packed with children. That's just how it works. So obviously you want to avoid the spring break time. You want to avoid Easter, um, fall break, and major holidays like Christmas and New Year's. School's out, so people are going to be there, and they're going to bring their kids. And the other one that sometimes uh, isn't brought up just because it's not necessarily a school break, um, I think I should do some – let me see. I think it's the first week of December. This might actually be when you're coming here, Rachel. (laughs) Um, Pop Warner is a uh, school group, you know, it's like a after school activity group thing, um, primarily in this event for cheerleading. And they every single year for as long as I've been going to Disney do a huge event every December. And when I say that it is packed, like they basically rent out all star movies and sports. It's just two whole resorts full of 13 year old cheerleaders. And basically they go park by park. So if you're on a, let's say you go to Epcot and they're going to studios, then you're good. You won't see them because they're just going to do studios all day. But if you happen to be the unfortunate soul that is at a uh, theme park when they are there, you'll be surrounded by them and they're cheering and their, you know, their chants that they do and Snapchat and I don't know, whatever (laughs) kids are into these days. (laughs) (laughs) That is a really good point. And I think one thing that I would definitely recommend is check out crowd calendars. Because if you find a really good crowd calendar, I personally like the one from WDW Prep School. They will actually, they'll list out those events like Pop Warner. And you're right, it is the week that we're going to be there. Um, They'll also list out, if you look at the Orlando local school calendar, that can have a big effect on kid crowd levels because, you know, if you've got, you know, I live in North Carolina, if we have one day off here, that's not going to affect Disney World because, you know, we're not going to take a one day vacation. But with Orlando, if they've got a teacher work day and all of the schools are closed, then it's going to be busy. And the good crowd calendars will list that out and will adjust the crowd level appropriately. That's really cool uh, because you're right that, I mean, If we have a day off, like if you look at, say, um, weekends, part of the reason that weekends are so busy uh, at the parks for us is because, well, you know, people with normal Monday to Friday jobs spend Saturday and or Sunday. If you look at, say, food and wine, me and Caitlin will typically avoid food and wine on a Saturday or Sunday simply because we know every local in Orlando is going to be filling it up. So, yeah, any school days off, you know, major holidays like Labor Day or stuff is typically going to be pretty packed with kids. Uh, So if you have the opportunity to do it, shoot for a weekday or, you know, around a time that is not around these major holidays. Yeah, absolutely. And for the record, um, this year's Pop Warner event is November 20th through December 8th. So late November, early December is typically when you're going to see that Pop uh, Warner event at ESPN. I think you also bring up a really good point about like with Pop Warner specifically, but I think there's there's also groups like that that, yeah, they'll have a specific day that like their whole group is somewhere. And I think it's really important to have uh, park hopper passes if you are trying to avoid kids, because if you get somewhere and you just see this huge group, get on your app, check wait times at when I say get on your app, I mean, my Disney experience app, check wait times at some of the other parks. And it may be that you've just picked a park where there's a huge kids group there. And if you see another park that the wait times aren't bad, hop to another park 
Just get out of there. And if you don't have park hopper passes, you're stuck. You are there all day with that group no matter what. So I think park hoppers are definitely worth the upgrade if you don't have that annual pass. Yeah, I am a huge crusader um, when it comes to family or friends or anyone that I ever give advice to when touring the parks, be it with kids or without kids or whatever. Be as flexible as you can. Like, be willing to change the plan. Be willing to take a break in the middle of the day. Like, you don't necessarily have to go, 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 go. And honestly, that's the benefit of not having kids. Is with kids, obviously, the tendency is there's that famous John Mulaney bit. You ask a, a kid what they did today, and they go, "We didn't do anything today," and they're so upset because they're <laughs> they want to constantly have the calendar full. Whereas adults, we're like, "Oh, I, I didn't I didn't do anything today. That <laughs> that's amazing." So <laughs> you have the flexibility as an adult uh, if you're going to be there without kids. Be cool with taking a break. Go to the pool for a bit. It's it's fine if you need to change parks simply because you're going to be surrounded by. Uh, 12 year olds yeah absolutely so in thinking about where to stay when you're there i'm curious i've heard you say before that you know obviously you live locally but some of the resorts are awesome and you know like it would actually be fun to just kind of like have a little like vacation within orlando if you had your pick of resorts that you would want to go spend a couple days at which one would you pick Oh, wow. That's tough. Because um, I I was actually just talking to Caitlin about this. I love Disney resorts. I'm a little bummed seeing like the design of some of these newer resorts being like many other hotels that you see throughout you know the world. Yeah. Um, and what I've always loved about Disney are the ones that are a little more expansive. I get why they're going the new direction because it takes up less land and you just go upward rather than outward. But if you look at like moderate resorts, I think moderate resorts... Don't get me wrong. Deluxes are amazing. I, it, unlimited budget. If I had a, if I had won the lotto and I could stay anywhere, it would definitely be Beach Club. And the reason I say, say Beach Club is nostalgia for myself, just because I grew up on the beach. But two, because that pool, man, that pool is unbeatable. You can walk straight to Epcot or Studios, or you know, take a boat to either one of them. So Beach Club is my f- number one pick if I had you know, an unlimited budget. But if I was being actual me (laughs) and trying to save a couple of dollars, I think moderate resorts do such a good job of giving you an elevated experience over, say, you know, a motel, but not charging you however much you're going to pay at a deluxe. Uh, Just last week, we had the opportunity to go check out some of the new stuff that had come to Caribbean Beach. And I got to tell you, it's not done yet because the, the Skyliner is not going to be open until fall of next year. But Caribbean Beach is a really good resort. Um, there's a bunch of amenities. They've just totally changed the whole food court area. There's a new bar and lounge and a new restaurant that's waterfront. Uh, the pool's amazing. And what I love about moderate resorts is you take a small little stroll away from your room and you will be at... I don't know, a beach or a nice little hammock or like a, a a wooden swing or the bar and lounge. And you could hear a pin drop because it's so huge. Just the property itself is so wide that you kind of feel like you're finally taking a break from the crowds that you're going to be experiencing every day when you go to the parks themselves. So yeah, deluxe resort pick beach club for you know the proximity as well as the pool and just how beautiful that resort is. But if I were to, you know, actually book a resort at Walt Disney World, it might be Caribbean Beach just because they are, it's brand spanking new. Everything from the rooms to uh, 
the Skyliner access, it's going to be a resort worth uh, checking out. Yeah, I I have to uh, totally agree with you on the Beach Club. We stayed there in May, and I think the those resorts in the Epcot area there, those are really good options if you're trying to minimize your interactions with children because the Magic Kingdom area resorts, there are bajillions of families there because they want close access to Magic Kingdom. I mean, we're staying at Contemporary because we like the idea of being in walking distance to Magic Kingdom and we will be with kids and, you know, Polynesian and Wilderness Lodge, even like all of those are going to be, they're going to be lousy with kids pretty much year round. And the Epcot area resorts, there are kids there, but they're not as appealing to families um, because, you know, they're, they are farther away from Magic Kingdom and, and they are more expensive. But as an adult, you get, like you said, the walking distance to Epcot. I mean, it was so cool. We were, we went and saw Illuminations, which of course I love with all my heart. Preach that. Um, and we were... <laughs> we were in the um just outside of the Germany Pavilion in World Showcase and um at the end of Illuminations it took us 12 minutes to walk from where we were watching Illuminations to in our room. Wow. So, <laughs> I mean, you can't get to the front of the park in 12 yeah. <laughs> minutes. So, and then you look at the boardwalk and the yacht club like all of those they've got a lot of good dining options and things like that and like you said the pool for beach club and yacht club is just you can't beat it i mean it's it's absolutely spectacular and it's one of the few pools that i think is like for adults is actually like really enjoyable and fun to to be in yeah because i mean most pools that like you're gonna see at any other uh hotel uh in my experience there's a lot of kids doing cannonballs and don't get me wrong i love a good cannonball i will super support that <laughs> but the beach club is just so unique because again wide and spread out it's not all isolated to one small area but on top of that there's just so much to do there's a mini lazy river there's a sand bottom you know feature of it it is zero entry there's a giant slide so if you don't want to be near the kids go away from the slide um <laughs> there's that pool, I mean, I just, I've never seen anything like that on any Disney property. Granted, I haven't been to Alani. I've heard that's incredible. But if we're talking about Florida, that's that's the pick for sure. And one quick thing about, I know we had already moved on from time of year, but something that I don't think gets brought up enough from in like an adult perspective, um, I am known to enjoy a fine adult beverage. <laughs> um, <laughs> Whoa, really? I know, crazy. So food and wine is obviously, I think, what a lot of people gravitate to when they, like, groups of adults say, like, hey, let's go to Disney World for, you know, I don't know, a bachelorette or a bachelor party or, you know, a celebration of some kind. And I love food and wine. But this might be a bit of sacrilege for some of the, you know, hardcore Epcot fans out there. I actually really love that there's almost always a festival at Epcot nowadays. Yeah. Even now... We, oh my gosh, what, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I was at Food and Wine Festival, one of the last days, and already Epcot is doing Festival of the Holidays, uh, or Festival of the Kings, is that it? Festival of the I'm Holidays, yeah. Names. Festival of the Holidays. So It's actually Disney colon Epcot's colon <laughs> World Showcase Experience colon Festival of the Holidays. Disney Presents. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sponsored by Siemens. Um, <laughs> so... Right now, they've got that going on. Come January, they're going to have the uh, art festival going on. And then they'll, you know, take a brief break and go into Flower and Garden. And there's so there's always kind of that aspect of having a food and wine-ish thing available. The reason I've kind of come off of food and wine a little bit and moved towards these other festivals 
is because everyone and their mother comes to food and wine for obvious yeah. reasons. But not many people know that some of those other festivals, like a flower and garden, are actually pretty big too. They're not as big as food and wine, but they've got the food, they've got the wine, um, the bars are still open. So you can still get a pretty damn good experience for all of that stuff without having to deal with the crowds that food and wine brings along with it. Yeah, they, they don't have quite the level of hype, but yeah, I mean, we've been there during, it's funny because the last two trips that we took there were during Flower and Garden, and I already know when we go back, my husband's going to be like, "Why? where are all the flowers? Like, I thought there were just always flowers <laughs> everywhere. Um, so yeah, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to look different. But yeah, I mean, like the, you know, they don't have quite as many of like the food booth options and whatever, but they still have a lot of options and a lot of really unique stuff. And like you said, you can still get, you know, if you're going because you want to drink around the world or whatever, there's still lots of options for that. But yeah, you don't have to deal with quite the same level of crowds and all that craziness. For sure. You mentioned the Pop Warner Group that they take over the all-star resorts. I think if you're looking at where to stay, the value resorts, on the, for the most part, you got to just avoid the all-star resorts, I mean, they're all very like splashy and like Disney-ish and they're, they're kind of kiddish. You know, you look at all-star movies that has all of the, you know, Toy Story and everything, and they're very much geared towards kids. Um, uh, Art of Animation has the family suite. So, I mean, those resorts are going to be lousy with kids. Pop Century isn't quite as bad. And, you know, it does have a slightly less kind of kid feel to it, but because it's value there's still going to be a, a fair amount of kids and families there. So it's just kind of something to keep in mind. If you're looking for low price point, I think you have to consider looking off site if that's kind of your main goal. Yeah, you just beat me to it. I was going to say, like, if price is the concern and you don't want to spend the cost for um, a moderate level resort, the thing is about the values on top of what you just said, not just the decor and not just the fact that kids will be there. But they're, they're not geared towards adults. So the amount of options that you have as an adult, it's it's nothing special and nothing unique. As a yeah. kid, I went to Value and I saw the, you know, the giant oversized Woody doll or the, the giant Dalmatian and I freaked out. But for adults, <laughs> the, the best thing that you're going to have is that there's a poolside bar. But you can get that at any hotel. So yeah. if you're going to go for that price, there are really good options off-site. But honestly, there's also really good options in that downtown or Disney Springs area. I'm, I'm an old school guy. I keep, I'm a local and I still struggle to call it Disney Springs. That's how, <laughs> that's how ingrained <laughs> it is in my head. But in that Disney Springs area, there's a lot of really good resorts that still give you the option for, you know, uh, my Disney experience. So you can still do fast passes and all of that, um, you know, extra magic hours, but they don't cost as much as say uh, a moderate resort, but they also are a little more towards adults. And then on top of that, of course, you can walk to Disney Springs where there's a lot of stuff to do for adults. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to make another suggestion that is going to be kind of a sacrilege on a Disney podcast, but <laughs> I think you've got to look at the Universal Resorts. Oh, man. Oh, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I, I know somebody just turned this podcast off and is like, she said Universal, I'm not listening anymore. <laughs> um, but when my husband and I, when we went to, to Orlando in May, we went for one night to Universal. And um, I'm in a minute, I want to talk specifically about the parks to visit. But if you're going as an adult, you've got to check out Universal. Um, and I just, I think that Universal has a lot to offer adults. And the nice thing is if you stay on property at Universal at one of their premier resorts, which is their equivalent of deluxe, you actually get 
the Express Pass, which is basically like a fast pass that you can use on essentially every ride and you don't have to schedule it ahead of time. It's just a separate line you can go in. You get it included with your resort. And for everybody in the room, um, for the length of your stay, you know, as long as for all the tickets you buy, you know, you get that express pass. So and the resorts themselves, especially if you look at um, Portofino Bay, Hard Rock, um, they have the new Aventura Hotel, which is not one of their premier ones. So it doesn't come with that pass. But, you know, it's got this really kind of modern feel to it. Um, I think you've got to look at those. Now, I will add, we are slightly biased because when we went um, and stayed at Portofino Bay for a night, it was our anniversary, and they upgraded us for free to the governor's suite for the night, which was a 1,500 square foot (laughs) suite (laughs) that had a huge living room, a dining room with an eight person uh, dining table, a kitchen. Oh my God, did you move in? (laughs) Seriously, I was like, they are going to have to drag me out of this room. (laughs) Um, But so, you know, we had a great experience there. Um, And obviously, again, I'll reiterate, there are still kids there and, you know, they have kids suites at at, um, Portofino Bay, but... They have a really kind of grown up feel and they have those amenities that are that are geared towards the adults. They have the bars, they have the nicer restaurants. You know, if you go to Art of Animation, you get a food court and that's it. Yeah. You know, if you go to these other places, there's a lot more in the way of amenities that are geared towards adults. So I think those universal hotels, they're worth a look. And if you're there without kids, you can Uber it from your resort to Disney World and it's not gonna cost you that much. I mean, it's certainly going to cost you less than a minivan. Mm. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, I I have nothing but good things to say about, I think, Universal, potentially in general, but definitely Aventura. So I actually went to Aventura not to stay in the rooms, although I have um, some good friends that have stayed there plenty of times at this point. But I went a handful of times to go to their rooftop bar. And I talked about a little bit of this on my own show uh, back when it opened in July, but it is honestly it's worth even if you're staying on disney property i think it is worth a trip to go to universal's aventura hotel just for the rooftop bar and grab a drink or an appetizer or something so aventura is i think the first of any resort you know in terms of disney or universal to be one of those tower resorts obviously disney's got a couple of their own coming in but this is a very unique hotel it's on the side of I-4, which, you know, on my morning commute, I see it every single day. <laughs> um, and you hear that and you think, oh, that's got to be awful. But it's also on the side of Volcano Bay. It's, of course, right built into the middle of the Universal property. But it's in the middle of Orlando. So their rooftop bar has panoramic views of downtown Orlando, Universal, of course. You can see Disney fireworks from it. Oh, wow. The sun. Yeah, it's it's really nice up there. There's a, a bunch of couches. So I've been there and we were just sitting on couches, you know, sipping a cocktail. And then we looked at oh, the clock. Hey, look, it's 9 p.m. And then like clockwork, we see fireworks off in the distance. Um, it's, you know, of course, they're not right on top of you. They're not huge, but you can see them. Um, so it is an incredible view. So, but then if you think about it, each room in that resort, considering it's a tower, every room has a floor to ceiling glass window you know to look out to whatever view you might have and that view sure might be orlando but it might also be directly at the giant volcano bay or Mm. universal and the prices are 
ridiculous in terms of how affordable this resort is. Universal is really going for the jugular here, and they are doing some really affordable pricing. So in terms of if you're okay with uh, being a little sacrilegious and not directly staying on Disney property, even if it's just for a couple of nights, man, you got to check it out. Yeah. The other thing um, that I want to point out about Universal, just while we're on this topic, two things. Number one, uh, I am now a Halloween Horror Nights promoter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If you are an adult and you like being scared, if you like Halloween, I think it is an absolutely fantastic event to just appreciate the season of Halloween. But also, it is a capital A adult event. Kids are allowed to go and parents do take their children. Not as many as you know there's not a ton of them but they are there but it is really an adult event because it goes until anywhere between midnight to 2 a.m so if you like halloween halloween horror nights cannot say enough good things about it but the other thing is there is a i don't want to say a stigma there is an assumption think about how many times you've heard oh i really don't like disney world i like thrill rides so that's why i go to universal Mm -hmm. um that was true kind of at some point in the past But I think that people just think of Universal and they think of adult stuff and then they think of Disney and think of it's a small world and nothing else. And obviously, there's a a spectrum here and neither of those things are true. Disney has thrill rides and Universal has kids rides. But Universal isn't a a roller coaster thrill ride capital. I mean, they have Rip Ride Rocket and they have the Hulk. And honestly, that's it. Yeah. Outside of that, Universal's been kind of pivoting to be more of a look at Harry Potter. Those aren't thrill rides that they have. Those are immersive, you know, simulators that are really, really cool and aren't just a dark ride that stays level. But you're not also being, you know, thrown off the side of a cliff. <laughs> right. Um, yep. So just keep that in mind. Like, if if you do want to have a bit more of an adult experience, you will. And there, those roller coasters are there. But it's not like you're going to go for, you know, five hours and just be like, there's a million roller coasters here. They exist. But honestly, not that much more than, say, Disney. I think that's a good point. Yeah, if you want thrill rides, you got to go to Cedar Point in Ohio. They've got mm-hmm. like 14 roller coasters. So, yeah. But but yeah, I think you're exactly right that that like misconception is that, yeah, that Disney is like little kiddish. So that actually is a great segue into what I want to talk about next. So if you are really trying to like maximize the kind of like non-kiddy, more adult stuff and trying to, you know, avoid the sheer crush of children – which parks would you lean towards? Um, ev- we talked about food and wine and about how people gravitate to food and wine or even Epcot because they're like, let's drink around the world. Don't get me wrong. I've done it plenty of times. It's fun. And Epcot is gorgeous. My only thing is, is if I were to rank the order of parks that I'm going to go to, there, as of now at least, there's not a lot to do at Epcot. I'll, you plan a night to go you know, drink at Epcot and then go to Boardwalk and whatever. Absolutely. But if I were to say right now, if you know my adult friends came to visit me in Orlando and we were going to show them around, I would immediately get in the car and go to Animal Kingdom. Yeah, that is that has been my go-to park for a while now. Um, partially because obviously there's Expedition Everest. There is, if you're lucky, uh, <laughs> Avatar: Colon Flight of Passage. Period. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but also, it's a beautiful park to stroll around. Uh, Caitlin and I have this uh, saying whenever we go to the park and, you know, try to tell people who aren't into Disney to go to the parks more, is it's not necessarily just about riding rides. It's about finding a nice, quiet little spot 
and just enjoying each other's company and enjoying the atmosphere. So there is a, I keep talking about this on my podcast and now your podcast. God, I'm just giving away all the secrets. But <laughs> Caitlin and I have a little spot in Animal Kingdom. It's right near the new Up show, uh, the you know, with all the birds and whatever. I forgot what it's, Up, a, a bird adventure, let's call it that. Yeah, Add a few right. colons in there. Yeah. Um, but there's a little spot over there where you can sit down and there's just some benches and chairs that just literally look at the Tree of Life. It's always quiet. There's n- typically two or three people there. And right next to it, there's a little quick serve uh, stand where you can get tzatziki fries that, you know, they're French fries seasoned with like some Cajun seasoning. Um, and then they have, you know, tzatziki sauce and whatever and cucumbers. And it's incredible. So our routine has been grab a drink, grab those fries, sit down for 30, 45 minutes and just hang out. So if I were to pick a park in ranking order, Animal Kingdom, hands down, is going to be my number one for any adults to just go enjoy yourselves. Yeah. And I think there's this misconception, if you haven't been there or haven't spent much time there, that it's a zoo, that it's just, oh, there's animals and you can see them and it's a zoo. And why do I want to go to a zoo when I have a zoo in my town? And I think that that's such a misconception. Yeah. it. I mean, even going so far as back into the 90s when the park first opened, a little bit of Disney trivia for you. In 1998, yeah, uh, 1998, when the park first opened, um, they, Disney was really concerned about the public perception about that because everyone had that same thought of, wait, Disney's doing a zoo. Why would I go to a zoo? So as part of their marketing campaign, they created this quote-unquote African, I guess, is what they were going for, like Swahili phrase, uh, N-A-H-T-A-Z-U. Uh, so they would say it in all of their marketing on TV commercials, on paper, on print, on billboards. They would always say, not the zoo, like, hello, greetings, <laughs> welcome. And really, it's just they're literally saying not a zoo. <laughs> we are not a zoo. We need you to understand that. It was a little on the nose, but it was hilarious. Even as a kid, I remember seeing that and going, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) But they're right. Like, it really, they do have those aspects. I love going through the trails where you can just see tigers or gorillas or Komodo dragons or bats. Like, that is, in my opinion, kind of a uh, a deep cut for Animal Kingdom. Not many people go through those trails, and you should because they're great. Um, But there's plenty of stuff to do. The safari ride is still, to this day, incredible. You have Expedition Everest, the giant roller coaster, Flight of Passage, uh, which is you know, one of the most immersive Disney attractions I've been on. So they've got a lot to do in terms of attractions. But on top of that, you if you want the quote unquote zoo aspect, I think they elevated a bit from a normal zoo, but it's all there too. So if you're looking for your first park to go to, Animal Kingdom is my typical, you know, fallback. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's also a lot of really great dining options. Um, obviously you're going to want to avoid the character meal of Tusker house if you're trying to stay away from kids, but you know, there's, um, there's a lot of really great, more kind of upscale dining. You know, if you look at Tiffin's and even Yak and Yeti to an extent, um, depending on what you actually get from the menu. Um, (laughs) but then, uh, You've got um, Satuli Canteen, you know, which is not your standard park fair. You know, this is a park that you can go and, you know, if you go to uh, quick service in Magic Kingdom, like every menu is going to have chicken nuggets and pizza and whatever. And then like maybe one or two other things. But uh, the the dining options in Animal Kingdom on the whole are just there's a lot of just really unique stuff you can get there. I want every listener of this show 
the next time you go to Animal Kingdom, vote with your wallets. I want you to go to Satouli Canteen because I want <laughs> Disney to realize that I want them. I want positive reinforcement. I want them to see that re- restaurants like this. We should reward that. We want more of that. I I am done with eating burgers and fries and pizza from Disney because those aren't even that good. The Satuli Canteen, though, I mean, it's kind of the closest I can think of is kind of like a Chipotle, but don't think Southwest stuff. It's not like it's going to be Tex-Mex that you're eating, but it's the same concept where you're getting a bowl. So my typical go-to is my base is like, I think the potato hash is what I get, and then they do like flame grilled chicken and it's really great you can see them grilling the chicken right there they've got like a little show kitchen where they're grilling all of the the meats and then you get this great chimichurri sauce it is so good if we are in animal kingdom and we're going to try to have lunch or dinner that it's no question it used to be flame tree because flame tree barbecue is still a really good quick serve but nowadays i i crave satuli canteen i super support that yeah and i think you're exactly right the voting with your wallet that Disney looks at where are people spending their money and when they see that, hey, like when we branch out a little bit and give people something that's different from the norm, they will they'll use it like we have to show them that we will give you our money if you give us options other than uh, chicken tenders and all of that other boring stuff. Yep. And I mean, speaking of voting with your wallet and more places that I want to uh, endorse fully. So you brought up Tiffin's, which is a great uh full service sit down meal but attached to tiffin's is a place called the nomad lounge and it used to i guess when it first opened avatar or pandora the land of avatar uh was not yet open so it was a bit of a you know deep cut because not many people knew where it was but if you are let's see if you're coming onto discovery island and you're looking at the tree of life you're taking a left to go towards pandora On the way to Pandora, on your right-hand side, you're going to see Tiffin's, but that's also where Nomad Lounge is, and it is my go-to spot for a hot day. If you happen to be visiting during, I don't know, the 11 months out of the year in Orlando when it's sweltering heat every day, uh, (laughs) make sure to make a stop there because it's just a great spot to get some air conditioning, sit down on a couch, have some water, have a cocktail, they have really good appetizers. It's a nice place to take a break, recharge your batteries without having to go elsewhere. And the servers there are fantastic. I have, I cannot say enough good things about Tiffin's or sorry, Nomad Lounge. I have spent quite a bit of money there over the years. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's a really good point that you've got to kind of seek out some of those off the beaten path, you know, the things that aren't on every list of must eat and must do because, you know, I love Columbia Harbor House when you're in the Magic Kingdom, but it's on every single, you know, top quick service places in the parks. So, you know, if you if you go to those, you know, websites that just list out like eat at these places, there's a decent chance there's going to be a lot of kids there. But if you look for some of those things that are a little off the beaten path like that, then I think you open yourself up to have a a really great, you know, dining experience or snack experience or whatever, but also maybe kind of get a little bit of quiet time, quiet with air quotes, because it's never actually quiet in Disney World, but <laughs> less screaming, shrieking children, at least. Yeah, that I mean, as a local, I feel like that's what I ended up learning a lot more about since I'm here all the time and I go all the time. You wouldn't you wouldn't find me caught dead at Cosmic Rays. <laughs> you, you, you have to bribe me to go to Cosmic Rays because I you know how like many Sunny people Eclipse? are there. You don't like Sunny Eclipse? 
<laughs> oh, you know, that's true. I, I do like Sunny Eclipse, but I don't like being surrounded by hundreds of children necessarily. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. The last time I went to Cosmic Rays was during uh, Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party, simply because there was a treat stop in there. We said, <laughs> we're going to sign a deal with the devil. We will go in here for the treats, and then we are getting out. <laughs> but yeah, those are – finding those deep cuts obviously is a little bit hard for uh, people that may not live here all the time. But if you happen to – if you have the time – Go into some of the forums like WDW Magic or the Diz or Mice Chat and stuff. Be careful because there are some terrible people on there. <laughs> but there's also quite a few people that are locals that would be happy to share some of their, uh, you know, little nooks or places that they love to go to. For example, one of my favorite spots if I'm at Food and Wine, I actually don't really drink at the, the booths that much. I go to the bars. And obviously, Rose and Crown is always always packed, you know, very thematic, just like a, a London pub. But my favorite spot is actually restaurant um, Spice Road uh, in Morocco. I don't necessarily go into the restaurant, but if you walk into the entryway of the restaurant, there's a bar there. And Caitlin and I have made friends with uh, Daniel, one of the bartenders there, and we're, <laughs> we're good buddies now. And every time we go, we always look for Daniel. Um, that's a really good spot that, honestly, I don't think many people know about simply because every time we go, there's never a line. We, we get yeah. through it pretty fast compared to going to Rose and Crown. I mean, if you have anxiety, like stay, steer clear because that place is a nightmare sometimes. Although I do love Charlotte. Charlotte's a great bartender there. If you're there, say hi to Charlotte for me. <laughs> but <laughs> I can understand if you want to avoid the crowds, Morocco is a very good choice. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think also when you're thinking about, you know, kind of places to eat, and we mentioned this a little bit before, but Disney Springs, you've got to try to carve out some time at Disney Springs. There are a lot of really great options there. And yeah, there are some families who head there, but it, you know, it requires an extra bus ride or boat ride or whatever. So I think Disney Springs is a great place to spend some time. And if I may get on a soapbox, I mean, I'm on a podcast. Isn't this basically an hour and a half long soapbox anyway? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, if I may get on my soapbox as an Orlando local, I really want you to, uh, to go to Disney Springs for a few reasons. Um, I have this big thing about Disney people, uh, myself included. I used to be one of these people that basically only go to Disney and they refuse to go off property. Like, I get it. I love Disney World. I go all the time. But I do think there is a merit in checking out some of uh, Orlando culture. Ten years ago, Orlando culture was Disney. That's not the case anymore. And Orlando's got a really vibrant uh, restaurant community. And the reason I'm bringing all of this up is because the restaurant community is so strong here that Disney actually started courting some of the local legends to have a presence at Disney. So the first thing they ever did was a restaurant called The Polite Pig, which is a kind of a team up between the owners of a restaurant in town that was called The Ravenous Pig, extremely popular. They own f quite a few restaurants in town. And Disney said, hey, Orlando locals love this place. And what I think the genius here is, is what they could have done is they could have said, can you make a ravenous pig at Disney? But then no one would have, at least Orlando locals, why would you go? So instead what they did is they said, can you make a special thing? Can you make another restaurant that is not the ravenous pig, but can you make one that's just for us, that is unique to Disney World, but also has the you know personal flair of your own chefs and creators? So they created the polite pig, which is a bit more of a counter service, whereas the ravenous pig was a bit more of a sit-down place. 
the play pig is a barbecue place um it is a little expensive like if you're just comparing it to say a cheap hamburger that you're going to find at McDonald's or something, but I love it. I'm from North Carolina as well, and I love my barbecue, so it is a bit of a taste from home for me. It's a great spot. So you have the Polite Pig there. What they also did was a um, there is a bakery in town in Orlando called Gideon's Bakery that makes some of the best chocolate chip cookies you will ever have in your life. <laughs> well, they started selling Gideon's Bakehouse cookies at the Polite Pig, and then the most recent one that I saw there is so much barbecue. There is a barbecue place in Orlando called Four Rivers. It's kind of a local legend. It's been around forever. So rather than making a Four Rivers restaurant, again, they said, can you do something unique? Can you do something different? So rather than doing Texas style barbecue like they normally do, they made a food truck in Disney Springs. It's right next to World of Disney. If you're looking at World of Disney, it's to the left of it. Typically, that's where it's parked. Um, they do kind of more of a Tex-Mex barbecue. Like we had like a taco and a cone, but it had brisket in it and it was fantastic. And it was like eight bucks. So check, please check out some of those restaurants because if you want, again, we're on the theme of doing something a little bit different, not necessarily, you know, the, the most popular stuff, a little off the beaten path, check out the polite pig and have a Gideon's cookie there. But also if you're looking for something a little quicker, the food truck from Four Rivers as well. Some Orlando locals. You don't even have to leave property. You can stay on property, but still support local businesses. It's, I love all three of those things. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And I think one thing that a lot of people don't know, when you go to Disney Springs, yes, it is Disney stuff. Um, and yeah, for a lot of the restaurants, you can make reservations through My Disney Experience, just like you do in the parks. But you can also use Open Table for a lot of the restaurants in Disney Springs because they're not Disney owned. Some of them are, but you know, a lot of them aren't. So that gives you a lot more reservation options if you are trying to get in somewhere that you need an actual reservation. Yeah, I think that's routinely forgotten that there are restaurants that are not necessarily operated by Disney and that the open table is a great benefit of that. There's another benefit as an Orlando local that people should know about. Every year, Orlando does something called Orlando's Magical Dining Month, where for a month, they will do three, a bunch of restaurants. Like when I say a bunch, I mean like probably over 150 restaurants in Orlando will all sign up for this and they'll create special three course menus, you know, appetizer, entree, and a dessert. It's a flat fee of $35. Um, This past year, it was August 24th through September 30th. So for the bulk of September and a little bit of August. um, I mean, we did it a few times. I've been to Magical Dining at a handful of restaurants. If If you want to experience a restaurant but not spend, you know, an arm and a leg for everything, 35 bucks will get you a full meal at a bunch of restaurants, a lot of which are included at Disney Springs. So, for example, I know that uh, Marie and Enzo's had a magical dining. Also, STK had a magical dining. There are a few on property as well that will do it. So, when I say on property, I mean like a resort. I think Swan and Dolphin includes on this. But if you go to visitorlando.com, there's a magical dining month section. And you can actually say, I only want to see the restaurants in the Disney and Lake Buena Vista area. And I'm looking at the list right now. Uh, Paddlefish, STK, Terralina, Wine Bar George, uh, Maria Enzo's, uh, Il Molino, I know, is the one at uh, Swan and Dolphin. So there's a lot that you could do if you happen to be visiting during September and late August. You can have a nice meal for not a lot of money. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that's really cool that they offer that. And I, I think you have a great point about... You've got to try to get off property a little bit because there is so much that Orlando has to offer. And Disney works really hard to keep you in the bubble. 
That's why they have Magical Express. They don't offer Magical Express because they're a kind and generous and loving company. They do it because <laughs> they don't want you to rent a car. That's also one of the reasons why they now charge for parking at their resorts, because they don't want you to have a car there. They want you to be super comfortable in the Disney bubble and any dime you spend on food, they want it. And that, you know, that's great. Like capitalism, awesome, like good for them for, you know, trying to get more money. But especially with Uber and Lyft and things like that, and I'm I'm a much bigger fan of Lyft than I am Uber. Um, but Agreed. <laughs> it's so easy to get off property and to just check out something else. And with the internet, you can easily go out and find some good suggestions. Um, and I think that is a really great way to avoid kids because these on-property places, they're going to have a ton of kids. Uh, you know, especially if you go during prime meal times, which that's another thing to keep in mind. You know, you want to look at late dinners and things like that if you're really trying to avoid kids. But when you get off property, you're automatically going to eliminate, a, you know, 99% of these vacationing families because most of them are going to stay on property as much as possible. Yeah, there is there is more than you would ever expect. And I will fully admit uh, I first moved to Orlando for a little while in 2008, and we never went downtown, like ever, <laughs> because there wasn't anything to do in 2008. You know, there was one main strip of like bars and clubs, but outside of that, it it wasn't that much. I since moved away, and then I moved back about four years ago, and it's night and day. The, the amount of stuff to do in Orlando, I think it is at least worth a night out. So if you're going to be at Disney for, say, a week or something... We already talked about taking some time to go spend at Universal. I totally agree with that. But also check out Orlando downtown. Um, Winter Park uh, is a great little area. Um, downtown Orlando proper as well. And then there's, of course, iDrive as well. If you, like, if you want to actually stay on International Drive, that's a really huge entertainment complex that has a bunch of attractions, but they've also got the giant Ferris wheel that you may have seen if you didn't take Magical Express. <laughs> um, so there... Branch out a bit. There's certainly going to be a lot to do around Orlando. You don't have to deal with kids at that point that much, but also potentially on where you go, the crowds might die down a little bit too. Yeah. And I know that you may want the Disney experience, and there are plenty of good kind of upscale dining options on Disney property. I mean, California Grill is one of my favorites. It's the food there is just fantastic. And it's, you know, really kind of unique stuff. And then you get the view of the fireworks from up at the top of the contemporary and everything. And there's especially if you look at the signature dining, there are a lot of really good options out there. Yeah, signature dining. Um, I absolutely love eating like a, a good meal on Disney property. Just recently, uh, Caitlin and I, to celebrate our anniversary, we went to, oh my gosh, Ale and Compass, the new reimagined, recently reimagined uh, Ale and Compass restaurant at the Yacht Club. And I I have so much praise for that restaurant. It, I wouldn't expect it because it's a little, honestly, you may not even notice it unless you actually actively look for it. The location isn't fantastic for their own sake, I guess. But there's two aspects. There is the lounge, uh, which is kind of right next to the lobby. But then a little bit to the right is the, the full restaurant. We had such a good meal. Um, so quick things for you to check out if you do go. Uh, the Parker House Rolls are amazing. Now, it's not bread that they just give to you like you would go to any other restaurant and just, you know, here's some bread, whatever. It is an appetizer that you have to order. 
But man, if there was an appetizer to pick, this is it. They are just really <laughs> warm and fluffy rolls. But the real key here is they come with a spread of different dips, um, or I guess I guess spreads. Um, let's see. It was citrus butter, which was the first one. And you hear citrus butter. It's so weird, but somehow it works so mm. well. So citrus butter, bacon jam. And do I really need to say anything other than bacon jam for you to be sold? <laughs> um, and then pub house cheese. Uh, so you get like, I don't know, five or six rolls and then three of these spreads to uh, enjoy. And man, incredible. And if you like seafood, I mean, I I can't eat a lot of seafood. I'm allergic. But uh, Caitlin got a um, like a clam bake. And for an extra, I don't know, 12 or $14 on top of the clam bake that includes shrimp and mussels and whatever, she, it said you can add a lobster to it. Or add it just said add lobster, not a lobster. It said add lobster. And in my mind, I thought... Okay, it'll be like a lobster tail. $14 for a lobster tail. I'm not surprised with Disney, whatever. Like, that's to be expected. She got the the dish, and the lobster was bigger than her. It was Whoa. a full-blown lobster just plopped on top of this clam bake. And her, her jaw <laughs> dropped when, when they put it in front of her. She's like, there's no way I'm going to eat this entire thing. <laughs> um, so that meal is absolutely incredible. But if you just want to kind of relax... Right next to it, the lounge, they have a lot of the appetizers, like the Parker House Rolls are on there as well in the lounge. And it's a nice little spot that, P.S., has happy hour. Not something you normally see at Disney. Oh, wow. <laughs> they have yeah. a happy hour. Yeah. I think it's four to seven. Um, and I, it's like $5 cocktails or something. And then half off a lot of ap- uh, appetizers and stuff. So the Ale and Compass Lounge and Restaurant are both really good picks for both a casual thing, but more if you want to celebrate something and have a nice meal. It, man, great stuff. Nice. I've also heard really good things about the dining options at the Animal Kingdom Lodge. Yes. Between Sanaa and Jiko. Now, Jiko's the signature, so probably fewer kids there, but obviously more expensive. Um, but then Sanaa, I've heard nothing but good things about as well. It's funny you bring that up right after talking about Ale and Compass because we were debating. We, we brought it down to two restaurants for that dinner, and we thought, okay, we are either going to do Ale and Compass or Sanaa. <laughs> uh-huh. And obviously, <laughs> Ale and Compass won out. So I have. We still haven't had the opportunity to go to Alan Comp- uh, to Sanaa, but again, same deal. I've heard nothing but good things. I have not talked to one person in the you know six years it's been open that didn't enjoy it. But from Animal Kingdom Lodge, I have been to both Boma, the buffet, uh, and Jico. Now Boma, uh, it's kind of a joke within the Disney community. Everyone loves a good Boma coma. You're gonna eat <laughs> a lot of food. <laughs> You'll eat a lot of food there, but it is all really well made. So if you're looking for a buffet, that's a good pick. But there will be kids there, so understand that. But Jico, if you're down, like if you're on the Disney dining plan, you want to use two credits, or if you just want to spend the money on a signature, Jico, Jico's in my short list of go-to signature restaurants. They, I think you can still order it, even though it's not technically on the menu anymore. They have a filet mignon that is put over a bed of macaroni and cheese with a red wine sauce, and that sounds so weird, but <laughs> man, oh man. <laughs> It works. So Jiko, you I don't know. I feel like a lot of people hear African cuisine and they get really scared off. Like, oh, no, there's spices in it. <laughs> um, but Jiko is 
branch out a little bit, try something different. It is really, really good food. I love Jico. Well, and I think, I mean, especially when you get to these signature restaurants, like they're making everything custom. They're not, you know, whipping something out of the freezer, microwaving it and bringing it to you. This isn't Applebee's. Um, no offense to anybody who's <laughs> listening who loves Applebee's or owns an Applebee's franchise, whatever. Um, but um, I will you know. give offense to them. <laughs> you don't have to. <laughs> um, but, you know, if you want to try something and you're worried it might be too spicy, you know, let them know. Tone down the spice a little bit. Like they can, you know, they can make it something that will be something that you'll enjoy. But yeah, absolutely. Branch out. Like try these restaurants. They're, I mean, a lot of these are really world-class restaurants, um, Disney world-class, but you know, um, give it a try, <laughs> try something new. You know where you won't find kids, uh, where they have to try new stuff. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> kids, kids typically don't like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. That's a good point. Um, I want to talk about the time of day to visit the park. So, you know, if you're, if you don't have an annual pass and you're there, you know, on a trip, like, yeah, you want to like maximize your time in the parks. But if you're trying to avoid kids, I think there are times of day that you can really kind of, you know, again, you're not going to avoid all kids, but that they won't be as prominent. Um, as somebody with young kids, I can tell you that my kids need naps. So mm-hmm. when we go, we go to the parks in the morning. We are there at rope drop or as close as possible to rope drop. And we get as much done as possible in the morning. And then we take a break midday. And I know that a lot of other families do the same thing. I'm curious from your experience in the parks as somebody who doesn't have to feel like you have to be there at rope drop and be there till the end of the day. Are you able to tell a difference in kind of the volume of, of families and things like that throughout the day? Oh, absolutely. It is. Well, first off, as a local, I know this is specifically tailored to locals. You would be surprised to catch me at Disney before noon. That's simply <laughs> just not a thing. I mean, I'm, I'm rolling out of bed at 9 a.m. There's no way I'm going before before noonish. Um, so that's part of it. But also, yeah, kids, as you said, like to be there early in the morning. When I've had family come to visit or friends with kids, they go you know, at 8 a.m., extra magic hours. The moment that that gate will open, kids want to be there. And, and I get that. But in the middle of the day, two things to keep in mind. Number one, the nap, like you said, but also middle of the day is when it's the hottest. And that's typically when you're going to see the tantrums. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that some parents take that as a cue, like, okay, we're going back to the room. We're going to take a break. Some others just go, I spent a lot of money to be here and we're going to be here <laughs> and they muscle through it. So midday I, we've avoided just because of those tantrums, but typically yeah. around two or three, the people that have decided to leave are already gone and at the pool. Whereas the tantrums have already subsided at that point. So usually we end up going to the park sometime around three or four ish. And the amount of kids in the times that I've been there has been typically dampened compared to you know 9 a.m and as on that same note parks just something to keep in mind i i almost never go to magic kingdom (laughs) for this very reason because i know magic kingdom's a a kid directed park uh so if you want to think about a place that's going to have the most kids 9 a.m at magic kingdom on any day of the week is probably going to be the peak of that so time of day but also location yeah magic kingdom is going to be pretty packed yeah, I mean, when we talked about 
uh, parks to go to. We didn't mention Magic Kingdom. And you and I have talked about how a lot of people, when they say Disney World, they're talking about Magic Kingdom because they think that Magic Kingdom <laughs> is Disney World. And then these other parks, you know, Epcot, like, oh, that's a separate thing. Um, Magic Kingdom, yeah, like it is the main thing that people think of and Cinderella's Castle and all that stuff. And, you know, I think there's there are still things in Magic Kingdom that adults will enjoy. And there are some kind of thrill rides. Um, I put air quotes around thrill because, you know, <laughs> even the roller coasters and things like that, you know, tend to be, you know, approachable by kids for the most part. You know, it's not rock and roller coaster and stuff like that. But there are some things that are fun. But whereas, you know, Epcot and Animal Kingdom, I think you can go and just kind of meander a little bit and, you know, take the time to really stop and experience it. If you want to go to Magic Kingdom, I would be very deliberate with the times that you're there. Like you said, like you do not want to be there at 9 a.m. just meandering because you are going to hate yourself. Um, <laughs> but, you know, if you want to go to Magic Kingdom, take a look at the rides you want to do. Have an idea of what they are. Go there that, you know, late afternoon and be very deliberate of we're going to do this. We're going to do this. Um, another option is those those after the evening extra magic hours if you're staying on mm -hmm. property to you know go to epcot until it closes at nine on a day that magic kingdom's open till midnight and then hop over to magic kingdom and those three hours you're going to be able to tackle a huge percentage of the park because the kids aren't going to be there as much because it's so late um the crowds will have died down you know again depending on how busy the time of year is but you know, you'll be able to do a lot more than you would if you try to get there earlier in the day. Yeah, that honestly, if I'm thinking about times that I go to Magic Kingdom, over the past couple of years, I can probably count on one hand how many times I've been to Magic Kingdom in the middle of the day. It's yeah. just not a thing I ever do. Typically, what ends up happening is exactly what you said. Uh, I'll be at another park or I will be on a monorail crawl with my friends, which um, we'll get to in a moment because that's something I definitely uh, endorse. But yeah, we go to Magic Kingdom at night for a handful of reasons. The kids are typically in bed, and those that are awake are either old enough or just, you know, they've already gotten all the screaming out of them at that point anyway. <laughs> and there might be a lot of people sometimes if it's like, you know, at fireworks time, but typically right after fireworks, if the park is open till midnight, man, crowds die off. I've, I've walked onto Splash Mountain and or any of those attractions typically after 10 p.m. or something. The other, in terms of you know, late night events, they don't do it all the time. And I'm not sure if they'll do it again next year, but I do think it is potentially worth looking into. Disney over the past couple of years has been doing it like a Disney parks after dark. I'll have to find out what the name is. Uh, for Disney this. after hours. Disney after hours. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's a hard ticket event. So your ticket that you would normally buy into Magic Kingdom will not be accepted here. You have to buy it specifically for these events. But they go from about 7-ish until about, what, 1 a.m. at times? Yeah. But it, since it's a hard ticket event, they don't allow day guests in. So it really mitigates the amount of people that are in there, including children. And, man, you could you could just kind of break through all the attractions you want. It is, again, you're going to be spending more money to do this, but if you want to see Magic Kingdom but don't deal with everything, you can get through, honestly, a bunch of Magic Kingdom and say an hour and a half, two hours, if there's not that uh, many lines to deal with. And it sounds like these after-hour events are so restricted that in that three-hour window, man, you could knock out a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, they're not cheap. I want to say they're like $125 a person. Like, they're not cheap, but... 
if you're trying to, to kind of maximize what you're able to do, then they do definitely restrict how many tickets they sell. Um, and in addition, this used to just be at Magic Kingdom, but they just recently started offering it for Animal Kingdom and Hollywood Studios as well. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yep. So this is the um, the after hours events are definitely worth looking into. Um, they also have, I want to say, like sodas and a couple kinds of like snacks and stuff like that that are free. They're not free. They're included in the cost. So, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a really good option if you want to avoid the kids. And so speaking of kind of special add ons like that, the other thing that I want to mention is looking at doing some Disney tours. So a lot of these tours actually explicitly do not allow children. Um, like we did Keys to the Kingdom, which I think you had to be 16 or older to do. So it's super fun to kind of like nerd out and get to go um, backstage. Is that what it's called? Yes. Um, at Disney World. Yes. Yeah. So as somebody who was not a former Disney cast member, um, <laughs> being able to do that was pretty cool and getting to kind of see how some of these things work. So, I mean, Keys to the Kingdom, um, Magic Kingdom to Marceline, I think, is one of them. Um, and I'll put links to these in the show notes. But um, there are there are tours at Magic Kingdom. Animal Kingdom also has some really interesting um, tours that you can. There's one um, that you can actually see kind of how they take care of the elephants and stuff like that. Like there's a lot of really interesting things you can do. And again, take a look at the age range because some of them do allow kids, but a lot of them don't. And so it lets you get a unique experience and also avoid kids. So, you know, win-win. I am kind of surprised, honestly, that they do not advertise these tours more. I mean, they advertise it on the parks blog every now and then, but I feel sometimes people might skim by those. These tours are fantastic. Admittedly, I'm a little biased. Uh, some of my very close friends are tour guides for these uh, tours. But I also know those friends really well, and they really do know their stuff. <laughs> yeah. So these people that do the tours are just encyclopedias of knowledge. But also the places that they're taking you to are pretty incredible. So Keys to the Kingdom takes you... Um, backstage into Magic Kingdom. Some people don't like this because they don't like to have the magic ruin for them. Um, so spoiler alert for those that might uh, not want to know how all the gears turn, but I'm going to give you a little bit of behind the scenes right here. Magic Kingdom itself, uh, when you're in the park, is actually, I want to say, nine feet above sea level because they, if you notice when you walk into Magic Kingdom, you're on an upward slope. When you're in Magic Kingdom, there are tunnels underneath you for all cast members to use for various, you know, business needs um so people are going and coming in there and i used to be a cast member so i would be down there as well and i would see these tour guides come through with day guests and i'm like oh hello i'm on my phone and here you are <laughs> um <laughs> so the keys to the kingdom one is really cool um there's a bunch of epcot ones uh in regards to the seas so if you like marine life in any way that's a really cool one um i know they do holiday ones if you happen to be visiting during the christmas times um but then the favorite ones for me are any Animal Kingdom ones because, of course, there's Wild Africa Trek as well where you can go. That's a, not as much of a personalized tour, I guess. That's more of a advertised thing. But there are also tours specifically um, just for rhinos. For example, you can just go to see the rhinos, and that's amazing. So I definitely encourage you to check out the show notes because there are so many of these tours. If you're looking for something to splurge a little bit on but maybe you don't want to go you know, for a full VIP tour experience these are a really good way to get something a little different 
Yeah, and some of them are on the expensive side, but some of them are surprisingly cheap. There's one at the Land Pavilion in Epcot called Behind the Seeds that yep. takes you through um, all of the areas that you see when you're on Living with the Land. And I think it's like 25 or $30 a person. Um, mm -hmm. It's surprisingly affordable. Um, I will also mention with the uh, having things spoiled for you, it does definitely take some of the magic away, which is one of the reasons why they don't allow kids on some of these because, you know, they don't want that magic spoiled. When we were down in the Utilidor, we saw Aurora with her, you know, completely real, beautiful blonde hair and her tiara on uh, wearing <laughs> um, sweatpants and on her cell phone. Um, mm -hmm. so, uh, that was definitely kind of interesting. It's like, oh, hey, oh, wait, no, that's not what you're supposed to look like. But you know what? Even Aurora needs to <laughs> get on Snapchat sometimes. So I can't blame her. <laughs> I haven't seen Wreck-It Ralph yet, but I've heard, uh, that that princess scene is pretty uh, indicative of that. <laughs> oh my goodness. I can't wait to see, to see that. My daughter's going to go absolutely nuts. Uh, <laughs> you mentioned something about the monorail. So what is this that you guys do? Um, so this is actually... I'm trying to think of how many years I've been doing these crawls, but you know, in any other town in the world, but especially London and stuff, you do pub crawls, of course. In Disney World, um, you don't have pubs, but you do have a monorail. So what we do pretty routinely, I would say a couple times a year, we do uh, monorail crawls because, of course, the benefit of having a monorail is that you can travel from Polynesian to Grand Floridian in a matter of minutes. So what we do is we get a group of friends and we stop at a bunch of bars throughout the monorail. So we will go from Polynesian to Grand Floridian to the Contemporary, and then you can go to either the Wave at the Contemporary or go upstairs to the bar at Disney's California Adventure. Um, Disney's and then California sometimes we'll take Adventure. Oh, Disney <laughs> Disney's California Adventure. Yes. Um, quick side note about that: just something really funny about California Adventure. Um, just this morning on Twitter, <laughs> there was a picture. I'll have to find it and give it to you for the show notes of a little lanyard that they were giving out if you went to their little festival of the holidays and each little ticket on the side says like eat this thing at this place and this thing at this place and each one said disney's california adventure but a few of them were misspelled to be aventer like i think i think that's what it was there was no d and they're printing hundreds of these out nice. so there's all these people walking around with a typo and it's just magical that's my disney magic oh disney <laughs> um, but yeah, so you can go up to California Grill, I should say, at, Cal <laughs> at the Contemporary, but also you can take a boat over to Wilderness Lodge and go to Geyser Point. Um, now, the real excitement for me right now is we've been doing monorail crawls for a while, but starting fall of next year, we will be able to do a Skyliner crawl. And that oh. is, yeah, <laughs> that's really what I'm looking forward to. Start at Epcot, go over to... Riviera, go over to the Caribbean and move around. So the deep cut way of doing this, you know, the, the pro tip, what I love to do is take a card game, a board game, something that you can fit in your, you know, bag or something with you if you're going to have enough friends. And we get a group of friends and we take Cards Against Humanity with us. <laughs> and nice. <laughs> we, we grab a drink, we sit down in a lobby, play Cards Against Humanity, do some people watching. The, my favorite part of all of this is, of course, there's no sun. You rarely deal with the heat. <laughs> You're yeah. going to be enjoying the resorts, but not um, dealing with all of the lovely Orlando climate. Yeah. And if you like the idea of doing something like the monorail crawl, but 
are a little overwhelmed in organizing it yourself, Disney will organize it for you. They have something called the, I think it's called the Highway in the Sky Dine Around. Um, yes. That they will actually take you from the contemporary to the Polynesian to the Grand Floridian back to the contemporary. And it's kind of like a progressive meal where each place you go, you get one course of your meal and a drink. And then when you get back to the contemporary, they let you watch happily ever after. So um, they definitely they they clearly hear that people did that and said, hey, we can make money <laughs> off of that. So. Yeah, I was just going to say that is my headcanon. Whether or not that it's actually true, I'm convinced that they saw how many people did those monorail crawls on their own and went, maybe we can just put some structure to this. And the benefit there is like you do get signature dining uh, experiences you know, kind of tastes as you go. Whereas with us, it's just, I don't know, go to a bar and order whatever you want, I guess. Get some wings. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, I hope that people who are interested in Disney, but just like are overwhelmed by the thought of kids, I hope they realize just how much there is to offer if you are an adult um, that it's totally worth it. It's worth that trip there because you can do it and have an absolute blast. It's not just for kids. Yeah. I mean... Being a local, I've got a lot of friends in Orlando, and you'd be surprised. People in Orlando, it's not a guarantee that they love Disney. I actually have a lot of friends that haven't been to Disney in 10 years or something. And when I find, I know, (laughs) they live miles down the road and they never go. Um, And when I finally convince them, no, like, trust me, let me show you around. Let me show you some of the stuff that as adults we can do. Every single time they end up telling me like I really thought I was going to be surrounded by children all day I thought that all this was was Mickey Mouse and fireworks but there is so much more uh, that you can really do so take some time and really you know smell the roses yeah awesome well Danny where can they find you on the interwebs um, you can find my podcast and my blog and my Twitter. Honestly, all of my stuff. I go by Average Dis Nerd. So you, if you go to averagedisnerd.com, um, that's also my handle on Twitter. You can find my website there, but you can also find my own podcast. I have a biweekly show that I do where, uh, kind of like Rachel, where I have a different guest on each time. Um, the difference is, is that I'm not a planning podcast. I'm more of a let's talk about the news podcast. But also my goal with my show is talking about doing something a little bit different my goal is to have a a different topic each time that is not what you normally expect to hear so for example um my girlfriend actually came on last week and we talked about anxiety when you visit the parks i had Mm -hmm. a good friend of mine who is a teacher we had an education show just talking about everything that disney does in regards to education upcoming soon to give you a little peek behind the curtain um we have some shows coming up that will be talking about conservation so in terms of the environment, but also animal conservation. I've got an episode about that. Um, And to give you context, I used to be a cast member. So I've got some episodes coming out that will talk a little bit about my experiences as cast members um, with my friends that, uh, you know, I worked with. So averagedisner.com. Awesome. I assume the conservation episode, the title will be Straws, Friend or Foe, right? That's that's all you're going to talk about, (laughs) straws? Absolutely. Only straws. That's that is the topic for an hour and a half. Uh, lo- looking forward to have you listen. <laughs> no, I, I think your podcast is awesome because, you know, I like doing the trip reports and stuff, but I think that hearing 
you know, about the bigger picture, not just, okay, you know, how do I plan and execute a trip? Like it's, it's a lot of fun to do that, but understanding a little bit more about the parks as a whole and the films. And, you know, like you said, just like all of the big picture of how Disney fits into the world and how the world fits into Disney. Like it's so fascinating. And I love the variety of guests that you have. So guys, I definitely recommend checking out Danny's podcast. It's a lot of fun to listen to. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks, Danny. Thank you. All right. Bye.